taking the holiday seriously. Often it's become nothing more than an excuse for a family get-together or just a good meal. And if we're in the church or the synagogue, deep down we sit there, but we know that we're paying lip service only. We're not really affected by the service. Something is wrong. And by the end of the service, we want to get out as fast as possible because our real allegiance, what really moves us, what's really our own connection with the sacred is no longer found there. Jung said it very well when he said that once the gods have abandoned the temple, they never return. What I'd like to do in this discussion is address the issue of what happened to cause them to leave. In other words, what happened to God? Why is it that we're left cold by many traditional religious institutions? And what could replace them in a way that would satisfy what I believe is an innate spiritual instinct in human beings? What I want to suggest in this discussion is that depth psychology has something very useful to offer here. It addresses several comments that sound startling at first that were made by people like Henri Corbin, an important scholar of Sufism, who said that the god of Western monotheism is actually an idol. And Meister Eckhart, who made the startling comment, God save me from God. And Jung, who said, is God a neurosis? On the face of it, these sound like rather startling, if not blasphemous, remarks. But they're important because they address the fact that if the religious institution of our childhood is not helpful to us, we may have a deep sense of loss, a painful awareness that not only has the institution failed us, but there seems to be no other way to be in connection with the divine. So relinquishing our childhood religion is often a very big sacrifice, bigger than we initially realized it would be. If our yearning for contact with the sacred is not met, it becomes a kind of constant source of pain, a constant sense that something is missing from life. It's as if we have no means of connecting with something that we deeply love. And until we do connect, everyday reality may lack fullness or it may lack depth. What we lose by abandoning our formal childhood religious affiliation can become so painful that it's urgent for some of us to rediscover how to be in relation to what is really sacred to us when the traditional images and ideas no longer work to connect us to what is personally sacred. How then can we live a spiritual life without commitment to any type of pre-existing formal religious institution? My intention in this discussion is to suggest a way in which we can discern and relate to those spiritual forces that affect our lives using a psychologically oriented approach that stresses direct experience of the sacred or the holy without relying on a particular set of images or doctrines that try and tell us what form the sacred should take in our lives. A man dreamed that a voice said to him, God dooms us to live a life apart from him. He was distressed by this until he remembered Meister Eckhart's comment, God save me from God. In both cases, the point is that preconceived ideas about God will interfere with the direct experience. Instead of using pre-existing doctrinal ideas as criteria for deciding what's sacred, depth psychology suggests that we ignore the actual content of the experience. It doesn't have to conform to any specific doctrine about how the divine should be experienced. Instead, depth psychology follows Jung's suggestion that the quality of the experience decides whether it's an authentic experience of the sacred or not. The quality that we're looking for is called numinous. This is a word that was coined by Rudolf Otto in his 1917 book, 
the idea of the holy, it was picked up by Jung in the 1930s because Jung realized that he could use this idea to understand many of the experiences that his patients were having in analysis. An experience is numinous if it has a particular emotional quality, which Otto referred to as the mysterium tremendum et fascinans. This means an experience that is mysterious, tremendous, and fascinating. It's actually not a matter of intensity, it's a matter of quality. A numinous experience produces an uncanny sense of awe, dread, fear, often something that seems other than me, something that comes beyond the sphere of the ordinary. It fills the mind with astonishment, with wonder. It's alluring, it's fascinating. Sometimes we're cowed by it, sometimes we're entranced, captivated, transported, sometimes we have an experience of bliss or joy. Often we long to experience it again. The Bible is full of examples of numinous experiences.